Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi there, and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. And this is episode 99, would you believe it? Um, And this is take two, actually, of our uh, take three, if we're completely honest with our episode, with the wonderful Rachel Welford of Welford Wellbeing. Um, And so Rachel is the founder of Welford Wellbeing and the Clear Cub I can't speak the clear club and the host of Things I Wish I'd Known podcast. She is on a mission to empower people to take control of their mental, emotional and spiritual health so they can live fuller and happier lives. Um, so, yeah. Hi, Rachel. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thanks. How are you guys doing? Hi. Pretty good. Pretty good. So we always start the uh, episode with a check in. So we'll start with you, Rachel. So how's things? You in London? I'm in London. Things are good. I had a really nice weekend, went to visit my family because I just got a new car, which is really exciting. So I've been trying to get out on a few adventures. Um, never know when we're going to get our freedoms wings clipped again. So I'm mm-hmm. trying to get a few adventures in. So yeah, I had a really nice, really nice weekend just seeing some of my favourite people, you know, that you just feel like your soul's been lit up. And uh Yes, I'm ready for the week now. It's quite nice when you have a proper, you feel like you've had a proper break, don't you, when you've Mm. gone somewhere. So, yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, I think we're we're both craving a bit of that, aren't we, Kate, at the moment? Yeah, but, you know, I had a little bit of that yesterday. And it's funny that you should say having your wings clipped because I got chickens today. Chickens. Seamless link food. I know. Like so, I had the most random kind of expedition with my friend Joe, Joe and Mikey, who are well. She is like a veteran chicken owner, and she's been sourcing some lady bantams. Um, which that just sounds like a drag name to me, and I love the thought <laughs> of lady bantam, right? And. Um, and so we got these like three lovely, lovely little chickens. But part of that is that I had to learn how to clip their flight wings. Like how random is that? But yeah, and what you do is just they've got like all the this wing stuff and then they've got the front bit of the flight wing in the back. And what you do is you just clip one side. Um yeah, so I I feel like I've gone through a bit of an education. And just clip one side. If you clip both of them, they balance and they can fly. And but you don't want them to fly off, do you? You don't want to fly them off. off Sounds incredibly. I'm, I'm not sure you should disclose this sort of information. No, it's to people. fine. It's proper animal husbandry. You have to look after them and oh, stop okay. them from flying off into the motorway. I'm, I'm also a bit like I was today years old when I learned chickens. <laughs> Don't fly. <laughs> I didn't know. My friend fly. said that mine probably won't because they're so small, but just in case you don't want to lose them and them come cropper. So you just kind of clip some of their flight feathers on one side, about three, and it's enough to stop them flying. But now as I'm talking about it, it sounds like a metaphor. <laughs> sounds like a feminist sort of metaphor for like do you know what I mean? And now I'm feeling really sorry for my lady. Yeah, <laughs> you should be. I'm like, wow, man. <laughs> you don't want them to die. Yeah, it's it's, it's a, a nest. While while they're still living in the patriarchy of 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 chicken land, you know, no, I tell you, you what, to these, mess- my these garden is not patriarchal. You know. It's not patriarchal. 
<laughs> this is the most random kind of beginning of a yeah episode. sorry sorry i yeah i went down a kind of a cul-de-sac so I'm oh, fine, chi- thanks. The best question is, how are the chickens sober? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, they are. They're living their best life. They really are. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see pictures. <laughs> I know. I will sense. They're so lovely. Anyway, how are you, man? I'm good. Yeah, I've got a cold. But other than that, I'm all right. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I keep getting this kind of little cold. But I did um, clear out my summer wardrobe um, this morning, which was quite nice. You know, when you're like, right, okay, all that goes away. And then it's like, oh, hello, Ugg boots and big jumpers and scarves. Mm. And like, I actually prefer winter wear, I think. I do. So I was like, oh, yay. I get to just sort of snuggle in. I need to get onto this summer winter wardrobe thing. Oh, yeah. Clear it out. I basically have a wardrobe and then I just put roll necks under my summer dresses (laughs) (laughs) hey mate that's a capsule yeah capsule wardrobe it is yeah I just I don't really get the winter summer thing and every summer I'm like oh my god I don't have anything to wear and every winter I'm like I'm freezing (laughs) (laughs) I think I just need to like buy some more you know seasonal clothes instead of having this sort of like weird middle ground (laughs) that doesn't really suit any season it's really funny. That is brilliant. Um, yeah. Well, there we go. We all learned something today, so that's good. <laughs> so we're going to dive into a little bit more serious topic now um, and talk a little bit about your story with alcohol, if that's all right, Rachel. And yeah. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about how you, what brought you to the decision to sort of stop drinking and, and analyse and change your relationship with alcohol. Well, it was quite strange, really, because I never actually thought about not drinking as a choice. I always was just a drinker, and I I thought people that didn't drink had an issue with alcohol. You know, it was either you drank or you were an alcoholic and you didn't drink, and they were the only two areas on the spectrum, if that makes sense. I didn't realise there was this whole other part to it. And I got very sick in 2014. I had a pretty severe breakdown which meant I was bedridden for about three months. I had to move back in with my parents. I was very lucky that they were there to scoop me up and look after me because I was very, very mentally unwell at the time and got diagnosed with depression and anxiety and later on PTSD. And just stopped drinking because I'd read that alcohol was a depressant and I you know, found out I was suffering from depression and was on all these various different types of medication And a lot of the medication I was on said, you know, you can't drink while you take this medication. So it was just kind of a bit of a means to an end. I never thought I was going to stop permanently. I just thought I'll stop for a few months until I feel better and then I'll get back to normal, in inverted commas, which, Mm. you know, was drinking every pretty much every weekend and sometimes having you know a couple of gin and tonics or a glass of wine with friends in the week or taking clients out that kind of thing and actually when I tried to go back to drinking I just didn't like it as much anymore which was very strange for me because I was a proper party girl and uh so yeah I just started noticing that when I did drink and it didn't seem to matter how much I drank um or what I drank because I did 
try quite hard to get back to drinking and mm. I think oh maybe if I just drink tequila or maybe if I just drink Prosecco apparently they're not depressant out types of alcohol but I just found that actually the longer the the periods were of sobriety when I went back to have a drink even if it was just a drink my anxiety would flare up so badly that it just wasn't worth it mm. so yeah that kind of decision was more of a process of elimination and then just realizing how much it affected my anxiety more than anything I knew it was a depressant but I had no idea on the anxiety front and I think they're just super interlinked and people don't really talk about that yeah and that's what I find really interesting and and great about your story for people to listen to because it was very much about you kind of discovering ways to get better in terms of your mental health Mm. and through that process of kind of you know mindfulness meditation and all the other wonderful things that Mm. you do now and that you you practice you kind of yeah you you could actually kind of feel it and see that it just wasn't serving you which is you know really great because I think a lot of people feel like unless you know there's a dependency issue as you say that they don't have permission to stop and it's just not the case and it you know if there is kind of mental health stuff going on that's you know that's enough like I'm shocked that more doctors don't ask you you know like no doctor asked me how much I was drinking or you know it it just never came up in conversation and it there's such clear like when you start looking I mean I know obviously in your going to give your book a plug the amazing love yourself sober book um you know in there when I was reading about the data and stuff for alcohol and anxiety alcohol and depression and um I know you guys are quite big fans of David Nutt as well and Mm. when I was getting well I was reading his stuff because I just thought through meditation all those other things I was feeling so good like so healthy, so happy. I was sleeping really well. I was, you know, that little negative voice. My anxiety shows up as like this negative voice that's really overly critical, really cruel, tells me I'm stupid, I'm fat, people don't like me, that even my friends, my family, you know, no one wants you around, all that kind of stuff. And that would just keep coming back every time I drank. And it started to feel, I mean, it sounds dramatic saying it like this, but alcohol started to feel a bit like self-harm. Mm. I was like this isn't relaxing anymore this isn't kind to myself actually when I don't drink I feel really good and when I do drink I actually feel like shit now so what's the Mm. point yeah and I you know Mandy and I have talked about about this about when we were trying to piece together the kind of addiction kind of conversation Mm. and find where we why we didn't connect with the words you know like alcoholic or maybe the some of the you know stuff that was out there and it Mm. was definitely that that mental health link that it was like okay this is actually exacerbating some some mental health issues Mm. yeah so I mean I really really relate to that Um, yeah I was gonna say I didn't feel like I ever had an addiction problem I feel like looking back, I definitely used alcohol in, in ways that were quite unhealthy in terms of numbing out 
uncomfortable emotions if I was stressed I'd use it to relax that kind of thing which I now looking back think that probably wasn't the healthiest of coping mechanisms but when I did decide to stop it was actually I'm quite lucky in the sense it was relatively easy for me I, I struggled with certain things but not to the extent of I think a lot of people do that have the addiction layer as well as the other layers that come with it to deal with yeah, what I think is quite interesting is kind of what a lot of people, you know, perhaps that, I mean, I definitely did have some dependency issues, like it mm. was not easy to to stop at yeah, all. And it was a too. long, long process. Yeah, me too. Um, and I think what what tends to happen is, you know, you get to this point of kind of that you have to stop. Mm. And then it's this rebuilding of self-worth, self-love, self-compassion, like looking after yourself, self-care, all these things. Um, that can make it sustainable and, and get you to a point where you you know mm. you're enjoying your life and you've got the tools to sort of cope and it seems like it kind of went in the reverse for you so it was like because of the kind of your rock bottom with mental health yeah. you learn all those mm. processes in terms of like you know self-compassion self-love and, mm. and all the practices you have which therefore you know allowed you to bring it back essentially so you never went down that kind of route yeah I I think for me as well though what I hear in what you're saying with that I think there were some similarities in terms of some of the things I did have to deal with which I imagine people with addiction would have to deal with as well was this kind of mourning of my old self Mm. and I still miss her sometimes I think she was you know a complicated lady (laughs) but I do kind of miss her sometimes and because you know it was a big part of my life partying and drinking and and all of that stuff it was a huge part of my life you know I kind of grew up wanting to be a raver from the age of like 11 years old (laughs) so when I finally got old enough to actually go you know I really made a made a life out of it and then suddenly I wasn't you know, that person that was like, hey, let's get some shots and let's party. It was more like, oh, hey, let's get a soda water and, you know, sit down. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like this really strange period of time between, you know, kind of wanting to be the same person and knowing that I that was never going to, mm. that could never happen again and having to kind of almost like date myself do you know what I mean like take myself like almost like get to know who I was without alcohol again it was bizarre yeah I love that yeah and I felt quite like that about my mental mental health you know it was like there was I was talking to a client about this today you know there's that period where it's just like it's so unfair you know like it why does all of this happen to me you know and especially if there's trauma and especially if there's Mm -hmm. kind of big sort of impacts and it's like they get to do it you know they get to drink like a normal drinker and I've had all this shit in my life and I don't even get to do that that's where her Mm. headspace was and it was like right now let's see what alcohol is you know and it's like really do you really want that toxic kind of chemical Mm. that's you know poisoning you and that's making you more depressed it's like it's not a gift it's yeah you know it's not giving you anything but I do agree it's it's that there is a transition there of like okay who am I now yeah Um, like literally I I really relate to what you said about the kind of it feeling like self-harm yeah I think for me I had to just stop like Mandy said I had definitely had some dependency issues so I had the first year had to be that kind of muscle power of literally just getting not doing that particular 
behavior with that Mm. particular substance but after that um there was that period like you know we talk about when when we've both went back to it and during that time I was really working on a lot of tools like I was working with reading a lot about self-compassion I was working Mm. with that and what I found is that whenever I did drink at that point again yeah like the anxiety would go through the roof I found it very very depressing and for me my my thing was like once I'd really start to have this kind of self-compassion understanding and understand the process of being with myself when I drank it causes a dis it caused a disconnect with me Mm. that was actually so fucking painful that I it took me about a week to recover my mental health after it I I went into like a dark shame space because I the only way I can say it is that I I just I had abandoned myself and that feeling was very painful to me absolutely yeah it was very interesting that then so I obviously had some kind of mental health journey after this what I see as my kind of first big sober thing Mm. you know and how this can be like a yeah, it's like you say, it's a process, right? It's an individual oh, process for people. Absolutely. And do you know, it's weird that you got, you know, you had that with the client and that you um, had that experience as well. Because on the flip side, I used to think it would be, I, this is going to sound really awful actually now saying this out loud. You know, when you think something, can you go, oh, hang on. <laughs> I mean this in the kindest way possible. But I actually at points wished I had an addiction because I had a friend, a really close friend that was in AA and I saw the community that she had there and the support that she had there. And even though, you know, I would never wish addiction on anybody, it, it felt like, where do I fit in? I'm not an alcoholic. I don't yeah. have an addiction problem, but I know that I can't drink anymore because it really doesn't serve me in any way. And I totally resonate with what you're saying about that disconnect to self. A hundred percent feel that through my meditation and, and spiritual practice, I had created a really beautiful connection to myself and when I drank that wasn't there anymore and it felt like an umbilical cord of some description and then energetic umbilical cord to my higher self god this sounds really dramatic had been cut you know and it feels horrible and then when you sort of like feel that the alcohol is fully out of your system again you feel that connection come back and and it's almost like a deep breath like a oh god okay I can relax again I'm back and it was just um a weird thing that I didn't know where I fitted in within the sober community because I wasn't quite sure if I was sober enough that's so interesting we like literally had this conversation at the weekend didn't we because Kate's got a friend who is a if correct me if I'm wrong she's a yoga teacher right yeah and so she stopped drinking because and a nutritionist because Mm. it didn't it didn't fit with her values or didn't fit with her lifestyle Mm. and so we were literally having this conversation about you know if if someone stops and there's been no kind of recovery journey like no sort of addiction journey are they sober or are they alcohol free or are they something else and our conclusion was like they're whatever they want to call themselves like let's stop with the labels like it just doesn't matter it's like whatever feels right for you and you know it's like and bring us all together rather than divide us into sections because the more that we can talk together and the more that we can have conversations the more people are going to feel like they fit 
Yeah, yeah. And I do think that you need that support, that you need that community of, of some description, do you know what I mean, that are going to go, it's cool, it's okay. Like I felt really lucky that I did have this close friend that was in AA who, even though our journeys were completely different, she does have, you know, an, an addiction issue. The fact that there was somebody close to me who was, you know, who, let's face it, me and I have been on quite a few benders together in the past, yeah. you know, was going, it's okay not to drink, you're not weird. Because mm. I used to think, yes, I feel dreadful about this now, but I used to think I don't trust people that don't drink. They're all weirdos. Like you're either, you know, you're either an alcoholic, you've hit rock bottom, you're trying to drink it, you know, you wake up in the morning and roll over in bed and drink your vodka alcohol problem, you know, that level, or you just have a few drinks at the weekend and that's totally normal. And it's like, actually, normal is yeah. no alcohol. But yeah. it's like it's really weird how it's been marketed to us that actually getting drunk or you know having a drink for certain things like weddings, funerals, celebrations, like you know work things or dating, you know sober dating. Wow, what the f? You know just, when do you, when do you come out the closet that you don't drink <laughs> to the other person? You know it's like there's so many things and it's like you say why do we have to label it? Why can't it just be like yeah it is what it is it's, it just seems like it's a much bigger thing than it sometimes needs to be mm. can I uh, can I go back to something here because when mm. you were talking when we were just talking about the the disconnect mm. right and there will be some people we don't often go down the spiritual route do we because you know you're very secular aren't you man and I'm a bit of a pan spiritualist like I'll believe anything <laughs> whenever it suits me right <laughs> so whatever fits and likes me up that day I'm like oh I love that I'm going to you know lie on the floor five times a day and I'll think about Islam and then or I'll just be like oh it's like it's Beltane let's go and dance under some apples you know I'm like I'm like a proper slag with when it comes to kind of religions and stuff I love that like slutty spirituality well to be fair to you Kate you yeah. have had your own struggle with secular religion so you've had to build your own pathway haven't I you have, yeah. your... I had religious I really want to make you a t-shirt that says like spiritual slut <laughs> I won that T-shirt because I'm going to try freaking true. I'm going to make. I'm going to make oh, you I love something. It. I love it. Remind me when we finish recording. I'm going to create okay. you a piece. Of All right. Art. Okay. <laughs> but um, I was just thinking about this the, the alcohol thing, yeah. and go back to sort of quite a, like you know a cultural spiritual kind of, and I'm just chucking this out here because I've read this recently. Mm. So. The sort of Arabic thing for alcohol comes from alcohol, oh, which I love this. is this whole thing about body eating spirits. So it was mm -hmm. basically, you know, this whole idea that that basically we get hijacked. Yeah, yeah, and that and that really relate resonates with me with that connection to self. Like if you have some kind of practice, and I don't know if people out there will resonate because it is quite a. a, a in our secular society, it's not very, um, well, we don't talk about it a lot, do we? And then with no. it can come a lot of shame because obviously we worship alcohol, you know, and we don't want to be judgy. But what, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think about that aspect of it? Rachel? I 
find that very fascinating because one of the other reasons I stopped drinking, I guess, was and lots of stopped lots of weird things that seemed really weird to me. Like I was always a massive carnivore and I started practicing Reiki, which is a type of energy um, healing. And I found that when I drank, my connection to Reiki wasn't as strong as well, which kind of pissed me off. So that was another reason I didn't drink. And also, I I couldn't walk down the meat aisle of um, supermarkets anymore. It made me feel physically sick. And I felt like when I tried, this is going to sound really dramatic as well, but like when I thought, oh, I'm going to eat meat, I felt like I was eating dead energy, which felt yeah. very um, upsetting. And so I kind of stopped eating meat as well. And it was very interesting, this kind of thing about the more that you get connected into this world and again not trying to turn people off I you know but I believe that there is a field of energy that surrounds and connects all of us I've had experiences that I cannot now explain and I'm quite scientific and I've looked into the science behind it and there is actually some peer-reviewed studies around stuff if you really dig deep enough um but I I do actually kind of believe in that thing of when you when you drink alcohol, your frequency is lowered. Mm. And when you lower your frequency, you're, you're essentially inviting in or, you know, that lower frequency. And, and I, so I can kind of believe the whole Arabic thing of you get hijacked by a spirit or and, you know, there's also something else outside of that where they talk about the reason it's called spirits like gin and whiskey Mm. and all that is because of this um hijacking that goes on but I also wonder from a scientific perspective so I I kind of trust in that a little bit that you could have an entity that would attach to you if you had a lower frequency vibration um because I know like when you do Reiki you're not meant to drink for 48 hours before you do a treatment or have a treatment you're not supposed to do psychedelic drugs like mushrooms and that kind of thing 48 hours before or after a treatment so like those kind of rules were already written into your training Mm -hmm. so it must have some effect but also when you drink your frontal lobe is affected yeah that's what I was going to say so me me, kind of the atheist and and the, the, the logical brain would be like well you know what what alcohol does is it impacts on the you know the frontal lobe so that's your relational centers of your brain that's how you make connections with others Others. and the the environment around you so it's it's dumbing down your your presence in your own body and in your own head yeah um because I found this recently with food and it's this thing of mindfulness and of because I was just I, I was on this course a couple of weeks ago and um, a really, really brilliant course about kind of addiction recovery. Mm. And um, and we were talking about pleasure and being able to put pleasure on a scale. So she was like, you know, this is like, so say you have lunch and it's like 200 on the scale, you know, and then when, when someone that, you know, first does that, their drug of choice or their substance of choice or behavior of choice, like gambling or whatever, that first time they have that pleasure is like 10,000. Wow. And then, you know, and then all all the time what they're trying to do within their kind of substance or behavioral disorder is try to get back to that 10,000 and they never get there. And then it's like Mm. 7,000, then it's like, you know, 3,000 and it keeps going down even though the more they do it. So that was a description. Mm. But then 
every day we every time we took a break we'd come back and she was like oh how was your lunch and everyone would be like all 500 like 300 200 like oh yeah a thousand and I I want that lunch and I was yeah. like, man, I was like, man, <laughs> yeah, but I was like, man, like mine's like a, I don't know, like a 10. Like I just didn't have any connection with what I was eating. I was just eating just because, you know. Yeah. And just having that awareness as like, God, that's not good enough. Like I want to like get some pleasure out of what I'm eating. Yeah, and so just that awareness there was like, right, you know, I want a plate that's colourful. Like I want to eat more veg. What do I like? Like I like big salads. And, and you know, and I've been able to change my diet over the last week and a half just by having that awareness of, you know what, actually I want more from this experience than just eating for the sake of eating. And so that kind of transformative kind of mindfulness approach is probably the first time I've done that. Mm. Yeah, you know, and I mean, yeah, I mean, I've cut out coffee since I stopped drinking loads of things just because I'm like, you know what, actually, I just it doesn't bring me joy. Yeah. I'm like Marie Kondoing my life. What sparks joy? No. Yeah. No. But I yeah, think alcohol it. gives you the like not, or the lack of alcohol gives you the opportunity to do that. Because like, to be honest, I don't think I knew who I was when I was drinking. Yeah. And there's things now that I really enjoy that I don't think I would have even thought about when I wasn't drinking. And when and now that I'm not drinking, there's things that, you know, I'm just like, oh, yeah, actually, I can be really connected with my family. I can be really present and connected with my nephews and my my friends. And if this friendship isn't working for me, I don't need to be in it anymore. And that's yeah. also OK. And, oh, these people weren't really my friends. We just drank together. <laughs> like, yeah. That's a bit of a way. Well, it's like a yeah. superpower, isn't it? It's like Claire Pooley always says. It's like to stop drinking, suddenly you can hear. You can, mm. You've got a chance to listen in and hear what's working, what isn't working. And that, that can be quite confronting for people. Oh, yeah. Class. That's why it's, you've got to have a, the sober community to go, it's okay. It's yeah. part of the process and we got you, you know. But, absolutely yeah. but I think also when you give up drinking it gives other people permission to do so as well yeah yeah and that's why I think these conversations are really important like how many people that I know who now either drink less mm-hmm. or have completely stopped like my sister who was a bigger party animal than I was has hasn't drank for three months now oh amazing and she looks yeah. you know she's like oh my god I'm never going back to it again which I never thought I'd hear her say that at all like I thought she'd no offense if she listens to this <laughs> I love you <laughs> but I just thought she would be that woman who's in a you know like 86 propping up the bar like you know <laughs> smoking 40 fags like a cool cool sort of dot cotton type you know person because that's just who you know that she was always in in the pub and it's like wow she hasn't drank in three months and mm-hmm. she's like I don't think I'll ever go back to it now and I I was like wow you know so I I do think there's that element of the more people in your circle that kind of go yeah I'm not really doing that anymore the more other people do it as well or what or want to at least give it a go and see if it suits them better yeah Yeah, 100% all right so so yeah we talked we touched on that so the people might be listening and going oh yeah that's all well and good but like my life sucks right now and it's really hard and I don't know how to deal with like negative emotions and I don't know like what what tips what sort of yeah how do you process your emotions oh wow okay so on the unhealthy scale I eat a tub of ice cream to myself (laughs) I binge Amazon Prime 
you know, that, that's probably how I deal with emotions sometimes. Um, but mainly what I do now is EFT tapping. So I tap pretty much daily. I meditate daily. I exercise. I watch my diet. So I try sugar is like, man, that's my addiction, I reckon, actually, because that's the one thing I keep trying to cut out of my diet and I just don't seem to be able to do it. So that's probably my um, my addiction. But, um, you know, if I have too much coffee, my anxiety flares up. If I eat too much sugar, my anxiety flares up. If I eat too many, like, really stodgy, heavy carbs, my depression flares up. So, like, mm. I do try and watch what I eat and drink. Um, I take quite a few supplements um I found like um pro pre and probiotics are just like next level for for any kind of mental health issue if you're if you're suffering with your mental health and you don't take a pre and a probiotic I highly recommend it I literally notice the difference in my depression what's a prebiotic I know what probiotics are so prebiotic is essentially like um uh, what prepares your body for the um for the um, bacteria to grow healthily mm. so the, the, the probiotics are like the bacteria mm. but sometimes you need to have a prebiotic in order for the bacteria to actually stick around and grow in your microbiome as far as I understand if there's any like gut experts they might be what like what are they? What are they? that's my understanding also like pre prebiotics mm. would be things like kombucha or um any fermented foods basically so i i make my own i'm so like la 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 make my own kombucha at home darling um, <laughs> just because i'm tight really it's really expensive isn't it to buy it <laughs> so so i make that so i i have um i have that but i think um also things like kefir in um, a prebiotic as well and then the probiotics are the things that I can't pronounce you know like the the acidophilus um, and acidophilophilus and like lacti b so um because 95% of your serotonin is made in your bowel and your gut Mm. so if you you know it's it's great if you can kind of balance your gut health you'll notice a difference in your mental health I think so they're mainly and I guess also just learning to sit with yourself so you know sitting in meditation when you're working through depression is really hard and sitting in meditation when you've got PTSD is really hard and sitting in meditation when you've had really severe trauma that may play back at points is really really hard um but you know what on the other side of all of that stuff is freedom yeah and you can either in my opinion allow your um past to rule you or you can master your mind and your emotions and you can say okay this really horrible awful thing happened or multiple horrible awful things happened depending mm. um and I can sit here and say oh you know this happened to me when I was this age and this happened to me when I was this age and this happened to me when I was this age I'm not that age anymore those things are not happening to me now and I can allow that trauma to continue to play out and absolutely control my life and keep me disconnected from myself and other people. Or I can sit through, you know, a year's worth of EMDR. Um, I can sit through, you know, tapping every single day. And I really resonated with what you said, Mandy, actually, about sometimes I get frustrated and angry and annoyed that 
I have to get up and meditate. I have to journal. I have to do tapping, you know, because if I don't do these things, I get sick and I can't drink anymore and I can't just binge on sugar or, you know, like eat whatever I want. I have to watch my diet. I have to exercise. I have to do yoga. Like these, these, that is my medication to do those things and if I don't do those things I get sick again and sometimes I get really frustrated like I just want to be one of those people that can wake up in the morning and not have to worry about doing this big friggin' to-do list of shit that keeps me well but actually it's freedom yeah because otherwise what I'm being medicated I'm being numbed out by alcohol I'm like you know not dealing with the stuff and it's keeping me stuck can I say yeah, it's I like what you what you said about that because I think sorry, man, I, I jumped no, okay. in there. But you know, when people talk about and I, and I I sometimes say to myself like I I'm a bit unkind to myself with being a bit woo and like oh yeah, I'm just going to go to my hot yoga and oh, I might have this and I just lie down and listen to some kind of binaural beats. Mm, and I love doing that. <laughs> that kind of like oh, you're just a kind of a hippie and you're just being woo and that's so this or that of you and it's seen as almost I don't know if other people see it as that but I come to kind of can be a bit mean to myself and go well that's just me being a bit of other people can be very cynical too they can be very Mm. cynical and actually what you're talking about is you're saying this is about mental health survival these things are ancient they work and they're a process and they're a practice and I work my butt off at them and that is like that's awesome you know and I I really I feel grateful to hear you talk about it in that way because they're like they are mental health tools they're not just somebody like mucking about do you know what I mean no and it's not easy no and I love what you said that it's like give credit to that you know and meditation and stuff like that you know it is like anything you can know it's like learning the piano you can learn it but people People don't want to sit with uncomfortable emotions. It's, you know, and I hate to sit here and I'm not advocating, obviously, on this podcast, drinking alcohol at all. But, you know, it's easier to go and drink away and numb out than sit and deal with. Like, and that's why a lot of people do it. And there's, you know, I think it's it's difficult. Like, actually going through therapy, people that do that, you're my heroes. You are brave. Like the people that are going through sobriety and sitting through therapy and, you know, whatever their therapy is, even if that's going to yoga a few times a week, whatever whatever works for you, don't listen to what other people say. Like people don't understand, like I used to be, I still am very skeptical about spirituality. I think there's a lot of snake oil salesmen out there. I don't really like everything that I see in the well-being industry you know or the spiritual industry I think a lot of the time there's a lot of manipulation of vulnerable people and that really pisses me off but I also think that you know if you've ever meditated for three hours a day every day for six months like I did you're going to have some experiences that you literally cannot explain (laughs) in any other way than something else exists outside of our current what we would deem normal sensual life experience there's some there is something magical out there and also I just think why not believe in magic you know like it's nice yeah yeah but also just if it works for you don't listen Mm. to a guru 
I don't advocate gurus at all. It feels good to you and it Mm. feels true to you. And, you know, just be kind to yourself, love yourself and listen to your yourself. Mm. And you can't really go wrong. Like if you make yourself your own guru, like Mm. you're going to be your best teacher. Yeah, there's a couple of things there, I think, because I think... Well, one thing, you know, it's like, yeah, it is really tough to sit through the the hard stuff, right? Like, mm. it, you know, bites to like, you know, deal, deal with grief, to deal with, you know, rejection, all these things. But on the flip side of that, you know, you get to experience joy in mm. things on another level. Like when you're not numbing out or when you're not kind of just sort of, it's like a balm of kind of, averageness on your life isn't it it's like and so yeah like the the hard stuff isn't maybe isn't quite so hard in the moment because then you've got the day after where you feel like shit and everything feels worse but in the moment yeah maybe numbing out like makes it a little less hard but it also means that when you're at that wedding you don't see the joy like you would if you were really fully present I agree you know, and I guess the other thing is, is like, you know, listening to you kind of talk about spirituality and sort of magic and things, I guess there's, there's part, and Kate touched on it, is that, you know, society doesn't really allow us to, you know, to, to focus on those things. And so it's quite hard for people, especially if you're vulnerable to be like, yeah, you know, now I'm going to go do this because it's going to make me better when you're being taught all the time where it's like, that's selfish, that's not non-productive, like that's, you know, you, you've got to be doing other things and it's got like quick, 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 you know, it's that sort of busy life. Mm-hmm. And certainly for me, you know, it was like growing up in a very kind of um, sort of very sort of left-wing sort of socialist household, anything kind of spiritual was... I don't know I mean I don't know if it's to do with that but I just yeah I guess it was kind of laughable you know anything that was kind of hippy dippy even Mm. though I mean my parents sort of took us to homeopaths and we had quite an alternative upbringing but certainly I don't know I think it's that like we get put in boxes it's like right you're you're this age now like I always wonder this about my kids because they still at the moment they get in bed with me and give me cuddles in the morning and I'm like you're 14 now I'm not sure I was doing this at your age is this okay well, I'm sure it's fine I'm just gonna go with it because oh, it's like I love having a cuddle with my mum on the couch <laughs> yeah. Oh, yay yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's like you, we kind of put people in boxes you know it's like right you're old enough now you don't do that stuff you know and yeah. it's like rediscovering play or magic or and all those things it's like we get we get kind of our worlds get smaller and smaller mm. and more constricted and we're like no you can't do that because you're an adult mm. and it's like ah oh, enough I, of that you know a really good place to start I think is is you know we we sometimes talk about Bernadette's books on on this and I think she's on such a right a good tip um just to you know those little acts of kindness to yourself and finding little glows like you know I've got a thing about fairy lights or that you know when you get like the autumn when you get the first mists and you get spiders webs on trees and Mm. on bushes and they look like strings of diamonds right Mm. and how can you not how can you not get a tingle up your spine when you see those right and just to try and tune into little everyday magics that give you a little shiver 
and that reminds you that you're alive. And I honestly, I know that sounds a bit, you know, but I, I honestly think that those are like medicine for us. And if we're looking for a place to start, it's maybe not, you know, three hours of meditation, but we can. I didn't start and, that, you build up. No, absolutely. <laughs> but, but, um, you know, those maybe try and walk, feel your feet on the ground. Maybe you yeah. just try and use your senses a bit more and slowly, slowly you'll find what works for you. A hundred percent. And I, I, but the thing is, like, even when you look at science, the one thing that we know from science is that we actually know F all about the yeah. world. Like, if you, if you look at it, it's like we, there's about four or five percent of data that we have the right tools to be able to measure. So, you know, we can measure five percent of matter and the rest of it is dark energy or dark matter because we don't know what it is yet. So it's essentially like running any kind of experiment and saying we're going to ignore 95 percent of the data and we're just going to make our findings on 5%. Most scientists would say, well, you can't you can't do that. Like what's the other what's the other 95%? You can't just work on 5% of data that suits you. And this is how I feel about spirituality, magic, mystery, woo woo, whatever you want to call it. There's 95% of stuff out there that we don't know what the effort is and we know that from science. So Do you know, I love how deep you are, Rachel. You're why so would, fucking deep. Like, I love it. Isn't it more weird that we actually go, <laughs> everything has to be logical? With, like, it yeah. makes more sense to me to go, wow, we, yeah. don't, know, we don't know what the world is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, look at, if you just think, you just look at a star yeah. and then you find out that a star died 10,000 years ago. We yeah. can still see it. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and we still don't believe in magic it's kind of like what <laughs> and I think though but I think also that for me I used to find things like that totally freaked me out like me it too. was almost like traumatic to yeah. think about yeah, so so, like, kind of, I don't know like so going back to that kind of embodied experience to be yeah. able to hold to be able to touch to to do it in small ways that make you feel safe you know so much about it is being able to like because you've done such a lot of work really you've done lots of inner work and you've worked with your mental health and like fed props to you dude yeah and that sort of being able to yeah to I think one of those first ways in to ask some of your the questions is just safety for you know you make yourself feel mm. safe you go back to the soft animal of your body I was gonna say I just I just like I'll just look at my cat and then yeah a hundred percent I think safety is such an important thing because even within that you know I, I wrote a course called meditation made simple and I, I created a um a free five-day challenge called zen intent and one of the I things did it. That I did you? I loved it. It got me into right. meditation and now I've stopped eating meat. So there you go. How funny because yeah. within that, one of the things that I completely repeat and say to people is if you're in meditation and it doesn't feel right, come out. Yeah. Stop 100%. meditating. Come back to it another day. It's okay. You know, because actually re-traumatizing is a thing and no one talks about that. Meditation is one of the biggest 
incredible tools that I've ever come across and I'm a huge advocate of it but also you know be kind to yourself like if you're sitting in meditation and you're having flashbacks or something stop meditating like be nice to yourself you know it's not like it's always going to be there and you can do it in little little increments and I just think that go back to that softness I love what you said there like just be soft and kind to yourself and do it with this adventure. Sorry, I was just going to say, because you made me laugh so much on Zen and Ten is brilliant. Ten in Zen, I loved it. It was my way in. I mean, I do a lot of yoga, but I've never sat and meditated and lockdown Mm. provided me that opportunity, right? And I remember you saying that if your mind wanders, imagine it's like an Andrex puppy chasing after these. Like Lou Rolls, right? And you went, you're not going to shout you're not going to get that puppy back and shout at it. You're not yeah. going to tell it it's shit, are you? You're going to be nice to that puppy. Honestly, it made me laugh so much. And <laughs> it kind of brought that, like, lightness. So it's really funny because people listening in, like, may, like, like your humour and your down-to-earthness in your work, I just think is beautiful, you know, and you make it so easy and accessible for people. To sort of connect with some of these like deeper mysteries, I really think that's a gift of you. I hope so because I just think it's okay to be spiritual and a skeptic, and it's Mm. okay to you know like I don't really talk about it publicly too much because it does make me sound like an absolute kook. But I do believe in angels and angelic energies Mm. and stuff like that because I've had those experiences in Reiki and I've had really crazy things happen where you know, I suddenly become aware of like an energy and a name or something. And I've said to somebody, oh, what's this name? And they're like, oh, that's my dead nan or whatever. And you're like, what the hell? How do I know that? Like, they go, how did you know that? And I'm like, I don't know how I knew that. (laughs) Because there's this energy that surrounds all of us. But equally, we don't live in the energetic world. We live in the human world. And how cool is it that we can eat and enjoy food? Like if I was a spirit, I wouldn't be able to enjoy a whole tub of ice cream to myself in front of Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) You know, or have like the biggest orgasm of my life when I'm, you know, or like, so why not just be like, okay, cool. I can believe in magic and I can believe in spirituality and I can have these incredible out of body, connective spiritual experiences, but I can also go, oh my God, look at this new dress that I bought. It's really nice. And like, oh my God, I had the best night's sleep last night or I I cooked the most delicious food for my friends and we all enjoyed a meal together. Or, you know, we can also just be a bit human as well. That's okay, you know? Yeah, I like, I really like that. Cause, and, and I just, it, again, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, we have to apologize for. It's like, oh God, it's I kind of, you know, you have to kind of like, keep it secret it's like I know the shame and embarrassment of spirituality <laughs> yeah right like it's crazy yeah. I mean I'm I'm like here like rubbing my hands like this is really uncomfortable this conversation because <laughs> I've got a lot of work to do on myself because it's just something I don't allow myself to believe you're doing a good you know persuasive sort of thing but it's it's a lot of work for me for sure me too, for sure. Me too. Like my yeah. scepticism is one of the biggest things that I have to overcome. 
Like even when I've had those experiences, I try and explain it away in some other way. Like sometimes I think that I never got well from my breakdown and that when I'm playing my gong and I'm doing like running a gong meditation or whatever afterwards, I'm like, what if you're in a mental hospital banging a bin lid and like there's nothing here, it's just all the nurses going, well done, Rachel, yeah, really good. Oh my god, maybe parallel universe where you actually never got well and you're not actually here. Oh gosh, you're just in a Rachel. Where your two nurses going back to do your meds? Do you know oh, what I mean? I'm like, oh yeah, god, it's amazing. You just don't know. You just don't know. <laughs> well, I can assure you, I'm, I, I'm here. I think. I hope. I think we're yeah. all here. I think it yeah. is real. But I mean, you never know. <laughs> so tell, tell, um, yeah, tell people about your work and and what plans and projects that you have coming up. How can people work with you? And, well, I have um, Clear Club, which is my new membership, which is awesome. And it's a community of like-minded people that are moving towards a common goal of kind of, I guess, letting go of their past and moving forward into just a more positive and happy life. So it's teaching um, this kind of, I don't know, I want people to look at their life like your life is the biggest adventure. And people often just think like, oh, I'm 30 now, my life's over, I'm getting old. And it's like, no, it isn't that. Like, there's so much more that we can that we can bring, right? And just bringing all those different elements of life into a new, a new way of living and living a brave life and the power of choice and all that cool stuff. Um, and just, yeah, then I've got obviously regular gong bars that I do within clear club so once a month we meet for a gong bath we have a couple of different sharing circles and I normally do a workshop once a month which will be sharing the wisdom of the Welford way which is my new system that I'm going to be launching very 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 soon which is exciting so there'll also be courses um for that and I offer one-to-one therapy but currently my depending on when you're listening to this my clinic is full as it often is but in November I'm going to have two spaces opening up because two people are coming to completion which is really exciting so I always get really excited for my clients when I'm like oh go fly the nest go like (laughs) go be awesome you know um so yeah there will be a couple of spaces to work with me one-to-one um from November as well and then December I'm going to be doing which I always do the last three years um this cool workbook called review release renew so you Ooh, can, I love that I did that last year you can either do it for free you can just download the website download from my website the workbook and it reviews your years so there's loads of dif- different questions and then you can um release all the crap which let's face it in 2020 that's going to be quite a big bit of the book I think. <laughs> and then you renew your intentions for 2021 but we will also be doing it together in clear club with guided meditations and um some you know really workshopping through all the stuff together as well so um it's really up to people if they just want to do it on their own they can just download the workbook for free um or they can do it with me if they want as well very nice yeah lots coming up isn't there actually when you say it out loud yeah yeah I know and yeah I mean you've had to really kind of pivot is the word because obviously a lot of your stuff was Mm. yeah Yeah, Yeah. a lot of face-to-face but now it's mainly digital but I I, do you know what I kind of like it as well because I, I hadn't really thought about it but there was loads of people that were showing up for gong 
And they were saying things like, oh, my God, I've been following you for ages. I'm in Barcelona or I'm in Bristol or I'm in Mexico and I've never been able to hear you play and I always wanted to hear and now I can experience it. And how many people that actually came to see me in real life who then came online still and were like, oh, it's really similar. I was dead surprised. I still get all the benefits. My whole body's tingling. I'm still sleeping like a baby afterwards, but I don't have to get go out in the rain and get on a tube you know like yeah. afterwards I can just roll over in bed and turn off my laptop so I think there's definitely some benefits there that I wasn't expecting of moving things digitally for sure oh amazing well thanks so much uh, we always finish with a tip of the day and a uh, reason to love sober so what's your tip of the day my tip of the day is my mantra which I actually have stuck up everywhere get up dress up show up oh I like it and that is something that just helps me you know it's like get out of bed dress up put on something that makes you feel good and then show up really show up you know for yourself whether it's for yourself whether it's for your community whether it's for your family be present like just show up love it and what's your reason to love sober my reason to love sober is I get to know the real me Oh, you know? that's nice. Yeah. Underneath all that trauma and numbing out and whatever, I actually get to know the real me, and she's really cool. <laughs> yeah. She is. I really love her, you know, and I think that's so nice when you can get to that point. And I still feel cocky when I say that. I still struggle with that, but actually, there there really is no relationship like the one you're going to have with yourself. You can't, you know, when you actually get to know and like yourself there's nothing like it because you're going to be there for the rest of your life you've got no choice (laughs) so you might as well just get on board and go actually I'm all right you know and I I quite like myself and this is cool oh I love that it made me a bit emotional because it's just yeah when you suffer from depression and when you're you know struggling in various different ways it's just so far from liking yourself yeah (laughs) it's a daily journey you know and I think this is the thing like people listening to this might be like wow but it's like I'm now coming up to nearly seven years into this journey from you know when I had my breakdown so it's like I'm like six and a half years deep into trying various different things and some of them worked and some of them didn't and finding what works for me and finding that new groove and getting to know the new me you know so just remember like if you're right at the beginning and you're maybe just tinkering around with getting sober or you've just started meditating and it feels weird or uncomfortable or you've started therapy and it feels terrifying um you know it gets better it gets yeah. a lot better and it gets a lot easier and you know just stick at it like listen to that tiny really quiet voice that's going you're all right really yeah <laughs> we can do this yeah and eventually that little voice gets louder and the other one that's you know not so friendly gets a bit quieter and it, it all does get a lot easier yeah that's so true oh thanks so much Rachel thanks for um, me. yeah and, and we'll obviously put all your details on the notes um below so so yeah if you're immediately concerned about your drinking do reach out either to Kate and I at info at lovesober.com or you know talk to your doctor or um on Soberistas there's a, an anonymous ask the doctor service so you know you're not alone and um yeah and reach out and uh, we'll see you next week for more chat bye everyone <laughs>